Welcome to Trailblazers, the podcast that takes you on a journey through the lives of extraordinary men who have chosen to forge their own paths and lead their lives as true trailblazers. I'm your host, William Walker, and I'm here to share with you the stories and lessons learned from men who have dared to defy the status quo, push boundaries, and create their own destinies, from entrepreneurs to adventurers. Join us as we explore the untold tales of those who have embraced the challenges, embraced the unknown, and blazed trails for themselves and others to follow. After all, Jesus was a trailblazer. So grab your gear, lace up your boots, and join us on the journey ahead, because on Trailblazers, the adventure is just beginning. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Trailblazer Podcast. Today, we have a special guest that I met on my first trip to Africa. And when we met, I knew that without a doubt, we were cut from the same cloth. Michael Mayanji is a teacher serving as the head of education and deputy director of EduKenya, where their goal is to serve the people of the Mathari slum and to break the cycle of poverty and transfer, transform their own community through the purposeful, transformative, education of the next generation he's the father of two twin boys and he is the man enough facilitator of Mimbley at at Mimbley Baptist Church in Kenya I'm excited to have finally been able to make this happen and to just introduce you to my good friend Michael Michael welcome to the show thank you so much thank you thank you thank you William Asante sana Asante sana yeah when we when we use the when we say thank you so much, we it's it's uh, in Swahili it's Asante Sana. Um, I really count myself very privileged to be here today, uh, for the main purpose of encouraging and us trying to grow men, men mm. that can be relied upon in the society, uh, men that will be transformational leaders, men that will love other men. And men that will help other men grow. And uh, uh, we are called to walk with each other. We really understand each other better than anyone else as men. And uh, for me, what I feel is that uh, it doesn't matter where you are as a man, what age you are, geographically, uh, where you are in the world, our challenges are almost the same. Uh, things that we find joy in, uh, almost the same uh, things that we want to achieve for the community, for the society. They are almost the same in as far as who you define yourself as and who you define yourself as of. Because if we are of Christ, then as we want godly transformation. So as a godly man, I believe that what I want for men uh, and what you want for men is the same, that men will aspire to live uh, according to the scriptures and also to be positive transformational agents so that we are able to tag along every man in the society. In man enough, we say we leave no man behind. So... Yeah, so I, as William introduced me, thank you for that uh, introduction. <laughs> yeah, so I serve, I work in Nairobi. I serve, Nairobi is the capital city of Kenya. I serve with an organization called Edu Kenya, 
I serve as the head of education. Edukenya runs three schools in the Madar slums of Nairobi, Kenya. We have a preschool, we have a primary, uh, we have a high school that is a few miles away uh, from Nairobi. I serve as the head of education and also the deputy director, and also with a very keen interest and passion towards men who are currently my colleagues and also the boys that we have in our schools because they look up to us and uh, we cannot afford not to share with them what we have so that they grow into people uh, that are influencing the community positively. I also serve in my church at Memory Baptist as a facilitator of Man Enough program. Man Enough is a 10 weeks uh, program that we have twice a year at Memory Baptist. And this basically is uh, also to come together as men, uh, fellowship together, uh, feed from God's word. And by the time the 10 weeks are over, we've seen a lot of transformation in these men. And after that program, uh, the people around those men, uh, uh, they attest that they have seen a lot of uh, transformation from these men. And also uh, they go and start impacting the community. They look at the world beyond themselves. Mm -hmm. And so you hear that they are doing one, two, three things in the society. And basically, that's, that's what brings joy to, to my heart, to see that uh, I'm a positive influence to my to my fellow men. Yes. That's so good, man. <laughs> that's so good. And, and you know, it's funny. I always say when you, know, you hear the word leadership and people just automatically start thinking of, hey, you're leading a company, you're leading this, or you're actually in the front doing something. And I'm like, leadership is really just how we're going to leverage the influence that God's given us. I always... I, I, without a doubt, I tell people, I said, whether the, whether or not you decide you want to lead from the front by the, the, the way you just, the way you live your life or whether you're going to just live your life hiding under a rock, you still have influence. Yeah. And because when people see you hiding under a rock, the influence is not necessarily a positive one. They're wondering why you're hanging out underneath there and not doing, doing things that are making the world a better place. And when I say the world, I think this is something we always need to remember is that the world is just the sphere that you've been given responsibility for. It's not necessarily the whole globe. It's just mm -hmm. where you have been given authority and responsibility for. I mean, for you, obviously, it's Edukenya, and mm -hmm. it is on your heart to see the men of your community step up and become the leaders they're called to be, And mm -hmm. and which is why I wanted us to connect on here because when we, like I said in, in the intro, when we connected and you started sharing your heart to see the men of your community, the men of your church, the the young men that you're educating through Edukenya become these leaders, become these men that are that are driven through the values, you know, through their Christian values of understanding who they are created in the image of as God and and living that out. Um, it just it it tugged at my heart. It, it spoke to everything that I absolutely love and impassioned about it's it's the way I it's the filter I use to make decisions in every aspect of my life from my marriage to my children to my work to my coaching business to everything that I do so mm. I'm just excited to have you here today and kind of tell your story so one of the things I always like to do when we do this is I really think it's important people get an idea of hey where it all started 
And so mm-hmm. what was it like for you, you know, growing up? I mean, where did you grow up? You know, can you just <laughs> maybe share a brief overview of, you know, just kind of what it was like growing up for you? And and obviously you're from Nairobi. Um, you know, what'd your mm-hmm. mom and dad do? What was just what was it like growing up? Were you a big were you an athlete, soccer player, you know? <laughs> okay, wow. Um I'll say that I was born in Nairobi. And then uh, after after a few maybe months, let me say months, I I went to live in up country with my mom uh, because uh, my dad worked in Nairobi, but my dad my mom was not working, so she was the one staying with us in uh, in up country in a place called Meru. So I grew up in Meru from zero years to around seven years. And that's when I came to Nairobi. When I came to Nairobi, I landed in a place called Majengo. Majengo is one of the slums in Nairobi. So I grew up in Majengo in a slum. I, I served in Madare in a slum. And for me, I say, growing up in Majengo, which was a slum, I used to feel like we are very disadvantaged because I think we... The conditions in a, in a, in an African country slum they are very the conditions are very poor, whereby things that uh, we take very normal and as a right nothing in a in an African slum is is a right actually you don't know you can't speak about human rights in a slum because we experience a lot of torture every day, girls are being raped like on a daily basis, uh, young men are being killed, a lot of extra, extrajudicial killing every day, young boys are being killed, there's a lot of drug peddling, there are so many vices that happen in Islam that you you think that and now as a child growing there you feel like that's the normal way of, 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 of leading your life. So I came to Majengo uh, when I was seven because there was an opportunity for me to be sponsored with an organization called Compassion International. So for that opportunity to be realized, I had to relocate from living with my mom in Meru to come and live in Nairobi with my dad. So I was sponsored, I was a sponsored child with Compassion International uh, from seven years until when I cleared uh, my training as a teacher. So I lived there with my dad from age six until I was an adult. I went to a public school. Uh, while in school when I was young, first I didn't really, I cannot say I really enjoyed my childhood so much because number one, I didn't take it uh, well, being separated from my mother at a very early, at a very early age, and now living with my dad, there's quite a lot I had to do for myself, uh, which at that, at that age, I think there should have been an adult at least helping me uh, do a few things here and there. So, I wouldn't say I really enjoyed my my childhood, especially uh, uh, from when I was separated from my mother uh, to until when I was maybe an adolescent where I could easily uh, take care 
of, of, of myself. And now also when I came to Nairobi, uh, because I was quite young and my dad seemed a bit busy, I, I was, uh, I, I lived with uh, a family that we considered a family friend, but uh, now also in this family, there were children my age. And uh, actually I, I, I knew and I knew that I didn't belong there originally. So when, when, when the kids of, there's a sense of entitlement in children, like when they want something, they'll throw tantrums here and there and they'll get away with it or, or get what they want. I couldn't do that because that was not my home. Uh, that was not my family. But I would see the children uh, of the family do this, get quite quite so much. And uh, for me, I couldn't do that because I knew this is not my mom. Uh, though she, she was very accepting of me, she really loved me. But I knew I had a mother. I knew I, I was... Uh, I traveled from somewhere to come and live with this family. So basically, uh, that really affected me. And I think it's something that uh, uh, it's something that even at this age, I still I, I don't think like I really have, have like dealt with it fully. I, I, I felt like um, it was a bit unfair for me. But I thank God because sometimes I sit and look at those situations and the children I deal with now, the place I serve, and I say, uh, maybe God was God was preparing me for 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 what for what I do today. Mm. So I was a very average child in school. I was not the brightest, but also uh, not the worst. I I was somewhere in the middle. And uh, I was a lover of soccer. I still loved soccer a lot. I played football uh, in primary. When I went to high school, I, I still played uh, football. And also in college, I played uh, football. Until today, I still play uh, football. Uh, that is soccer. We call it, so, uh, we call it uh, football in, 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 in Kenya. But I understand sometimes I, I speak from... Uh, some of us from America, they call it uh, they call it soccer, but we call it uh, uh, we call it football. So I grew up in Majengo, and then um, I went to high school. And now, when I went to high school, also I was a very normal boy. And uh, in Islam, in Islam, uh, I think we have this culture of a short, sweet life. Huh? So by by 12, by age 12, 13, there is a lot of pressure for boys uh, to start uh, fending for themselves. There is a lot of pressure for boys to start taking responsibility over their lives and also for the girls. And so uh, boys get into crime at a very early, at a very early age. So like from age 12, I started losing friends to crime. Mm. because now they start, they are strong enough and uh, they feel like uh, they can they can attack people and uh, run away with their belongings. So I that is where I began losing my friends. 
And then now there was the wave of, now there was, I, as I was losing friends uh, 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 because of crime, some going to jail, others were being shot dead, others, uh, they, you're just, you, you get into a space where you are beaten by mob justice to, 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 to a place where uh, you, you are spending months in hospitals. Then uh, when I was transitioning to high school and, 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 and a few years in college, there was that wave of terrorism. Like Majengo was, Majengo was like, uh, I'll say the place where everything was starting. So there was a lot of recruitment for young men uh, to also join terror groups. And uh, I, unfortunately, I saw a good number of, of my friends join terror groups. And at the end of the day, uh, they will end up dying because of them just choosing to become enemies of the state and also going ahead. And uh, sometimes they would, they would be the one like, you, you you get you are tied with the bombs and then you go and uh, uh, you die you bomb a place but you you die in the process. I, I witnessed I witnessed that um, uh, growing up, and the prayer was God, please get me out of this place. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I wanted to go, but I was feeling uh, this is a place that um, I don't want to find myself in this environment. So I grew up that way until I finished my high school. I became a teacher. And now when I became a teacher, I found myself in a very similar environment, uh, like the one I had uh, grown up in. And so we began the journey of transformation with Edu Kenya. So when I speak about men, and when I hold men dear to my heart, is because I know what a young boy who is not loved or does not feel loved, a young boy is not guided well, a young boy is not mentored, what they can end up uh, uh, becoming. That's, that's that's an amazing story. I mean, I mean, just the fact that that you you're able to persevere. And 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 continue moving forward, and just not allowing yourself to 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 fall into these beliefs that this is as good as it gets. Like this is all there is. Um, and, and so I just, I mean, I've, I'd have to ask, like, where did that come from for you? Was there was your did you was your mom and and your dad were they believers? Did they did they know Jesus and did they impart that that relationship in you that kind of gave you that foundation? Or where did that come from that just kept you going back to to saying that prayer that you you were talking about? God, you know, get me out of here. Where 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 was that where was that foundation built? I'd say one, it's from home because my 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 parents, my family, uh, especially my parents, they were they were believers and they were they were very strict they were strict with with church and uh, and with faith and and in their daily communication they they we we grew up in a family where parents tagged uh, god in everything mm -hmm. like even it was if god allows us 
if God blesses us with. So you grow up knowing that there is God who blesses, there is God who gives, there is a God that we pray to. So from that very young age, I was grounded in, in, uh, in, in Christianity. And also now when I was enrolled in compassion, uh, there was a lot of uh, biblical exposure that we were given and I thank God for that because since I was, uh, I think I was around 10, I was, I became a sponsored child with compassion and there was a lot of exposition to the word of God mm. and my father also, when growing up, uh, my father was very intentional with his faith and, and our faith because even though he had his own imperfections, like we knew that Sundays were non-negotiable. Sundays, we had to go uh, to church. So I grew up with that foundation of believing that there is God. And uh, when we pray to God, God hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. Man, that's so good. You know, um, and I don't share this often, um, but our stories have very similar paths. Um, I mean, I grew up in, in, in a, in a family that was with church every Sunday. I mean, yes, my parents were separated. Um, but we went to church and I didn't make the best decisions as I got older. I made a lot of bad decisions, but I can look back over the years and can remember always going back to the foundation of God, I'm sorry for what I did last night. Please just be with me, you know, forgive me, love me. And, and knowing where I'm at now and what he's doing in my life as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a man, I know without a doubt, it was all those times when I was just going back to him and saying, Hey, get me out of this. Mm. And, and he did it. So it's just, it's, it's awesome to hear that from you and know that to just share how important that is for everybody who's listening here is just to, to know that you have to have a foundation in, in, in our, in a relationship with our heavenly, with your heavenly father. Um, and if you don't, then, you know, you can, you can get on that path now. Um, it's never too late, but it, it will shape the trajectory of your future and give you everything that you need. Let me ask you a question. Um, what would you say is probably one of the most, uh, you know, particular moment or experience that, that you had during this time that just really significantly shaped the trajectory you're on now? When, 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 when growing up or after I became a teacher? Well, let's start with growing up, but then also I want to hear after you became a teacher. Uh -huh. So I'd say when growing up, there isn't much to look forward to or to say, I want to grow up and become this or that. I, 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 I wouldn't say that... Uh, I knew I wanted to become a teacher. I wouldn't say that uh, even by the time I was doing my high school, <clears throat> I cannot say that I wanted to be a teacher. You see, there are conditions that uh, life uh, places you and uh, the only option you have is to run with what is available. So when I cleared my high school, things were very difficult. And uh, now because I was a bit older, I was offered an opportunity to become a part-time teacher at Compassion. So I was a sponsored older child 
but I was teaching the younger ones. And that is where now, at least, I felt a sense of purpose. I felt, mm. oh, wow, I'm doing something. And uh, the kids were enjoying um, uh, having me as their teacher. The young boys there were looking up to me. And, and, and even when we had issues, like with our boys, I would be called to come and, 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 and speak to these boys. But I never knew where this would uh, would lead to. But for me, I just enjoyed that uh, sense of purpose I had been given uh, because at the end of the day, uh, here we are, uh, you, you don't know what to do after, 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 after high school. And then, uh, so one day my, my uncle visited and now while we were speaking with my uncle and I was explaining to him uh, what I've been doing, that's when he asked me whether I would wish to be a teacher. Uh, personally, I would take, at, at that time, I would take anything because it, taking that was better than where I was. So maybe I did come and ask me, would you like to be a nurse? I would still have said yes. Would you like to be a driver? I would still have said yes, because where I was at that time, anything, anything that would give me a sense of purpose, mm. uh, uh, I, would have, I would have accepted it uh, uh, very fast. And that is where I say for me, um, becoming a teacher, I think um, for me, I... I, I I keep on saying that there is a reason why God wanted me in this space because it is a space that I never chose. It is a space that circumstances actually uh, gave me that opportunity and I had to jump uh, over that, that opportunity. So I'd say it's all about the importance of at least having people uh, that would purpose to take interest in, in, in young ones, in people that are growing, you can cause a lot of transformation in, in their life because mm -hmm. had I not been given that opportunity to be a part-time teacher at Compassion, huh? I wouldn't, maybe we wouldn't be sitting here, uh, here today. So for me, I'd say, what, go, what has gotten me where I am today? There's a lot I've done after getting the opportunities, but the opportunities were brought by just people used by God to come and ask me, can I take this? Can you do this? So there was a lot of also input by specific men in my life mm. uh, that gave me these two opportunities. Number one, to be a part-time teacher, and number two, to help me join a teacher's training uh, college. Those are the men that actually now gave me that space of getting into a career. First, I saw it as a career, but now getting into an environment where I can actually be an agent of transformation. Mm. So it's purely people being used by God to enable me be in a space that has led to even as uh, having this conversation today. Yeah, that's so good, man. Thank you. Can you share with us a story 
um, of maybe just like a significant milestone, you know, just or an achievement or, or, or you know, and it could obviously an achievement could be anything. It could just be a, a, an amazing story of a student that you had oh, in your mm-hmm. career as an educator and um, a leader at EduKenya. Mm-hmm. Now, I have many. It's about my students. Eh? Yeah. I mean, that's to me, I know that would be the stories I tell, you know, would be <laughs> where I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be judged by things that I've done. It's going to be judged by the things that people that have done around me that I've just mm-hmm. encouraged and, and and believed in, you know, I'm that's, yeah. that's the true mark. It's not the things mm-hmm. that I've done. It's the people that have done what they've done around me. So, so for you, I mean, yeah. what would you say is, is, you know, one of those, 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 those great stories, those milestones or those achievements in your career where you look back and go, man, like, I'm just so glad I'm, I'm so proud of this moment. For me, I think I, I currently have a, a colleague who was my student. I don't know whether I've shared this with you, but uh, currently I have I have one of our teachers who was my who was my pupil uh, from I think the lowest grades even I think in their first class in primary school they were mm-hmm. my they were my 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 learners and uh, I thank God because. Actually, I served for only three years before I became a head teacher. And you see, when God gives you spaces to serve, and when he gives you spaces where uh, your input really matters, because now when you become a head of a school, um, you 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 have that space to make uh, decisions here and there, and those decisions can be termed as as final. Like like a head teacher uh, has a really huge role in retaining a learner in school. Let me say, like for for our school, and this young boy was going through a lot. Uh, he was in a space where. You look at him and you're like, I don't know how we are going to do these eight years because he has to be primary for eight years. Looking at him, you're walking the journey together, but you don't know how he's going to do the eight years because you're trying to link the challenges at home and the expectations at school. You, you, you are not able to see how he's going to do the eight years. So now when you see him do the final year in primary school, you are like, oh, wow, at least we achieved this. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how he will go beyond primary school. And then you see a boy go to high school, they thrive, and then they come back and they say they want to serve our little ones. Mm. For me, that... For me, that that when I see that young man today, he is my friend. For me, those are some of the spaces where I feel God did His work, and and I was I was part of I was part of seeing this uh, transformation where you are working with people. You cannot say, you cannot tell what you or them or anyone did. But you can see how they have thrived. Mm-hmm. It's only God who is capable of enabling such 
a miracle to mm-hmm. happen. So when when whenever I'm thinking of what have you seen God do, uh, what are you proud of? Uh, what are the people you are proud of? I'm proud of that young man because mm-hmm. he's teaching the very young ones where men really struggle. Even when it comes to, to the teaching profession, most of the time we assume that the t- kindergarten is for the female, for the female teachers, but he's there and he's is uh, thriving. So for me, if I captured your question well, I'll say that is the perfect example that I can I can speak about. Man, I, I think that is the perfect example. I mean, knowing that that you had a that you were given the opportunity by God to to mentor, to teach this young man and to see him progress through the years from a little boy into the man that he is today and the teacher and and knowing that he is continuing that circle, continuing that process that, that you started him on. Um, it just really speaks to who you are as a man, but also speaks to your legacy, which mm-hmm. is, you know, which is just absolutely amazing. Um, so thank you for sharing that. So, you know, caribou, caribou, asante. Uh, just so everybody know, caribou means you're welcome. Yes. Oh, welcome. <laughs> Zante <laughs> means thank you. Uh, yeah. So you know the, the the you know the podcast is called Trailblazers, and you know Trailblazers mean someone who creates a path through the wilderness for others to follow. Um, and I love that. I love the the visual that goes along with that. And so you're on this podcast and and here because. Without a doubt, I believe that the way you lead and live your life, you you do as a trailblazer. So as a trailblazer in your field, um, what do you hope to continue to achieve and contribute to? Uh, for me, I I really want to, I, I want, like I was speaking to a friend yesterday and I was telling her that uh, one of the, one of the gifts I feel God has given me is that when I spend time with people, uh, they feel better. We, we, we leave each other when they are feeling more encouraged because of our conversations. Mm. And also I'm able to see strengths in people that maybe they are not uh, able to see it. And if they are seeing it, I'm able also to help people unpackage mm. so that they are able to thrive uh, within their God-given strengths and, 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 and talents. And basically, for me, I see that is what I want. Uh, God has given me a space where already I'm doing that because every day I really want to empower. I want to, to, to empower his creation. I love the boy child. I love uh, my fellow men. But also, I have dear sisters that I care about and love so much. And for me, just serving them is what brings a lot of joy uh, to me. So I'd say, as a trailblazer, for me, I want to offer myself 
for his kingdom, eh? and that is by empowering those that are blessed to share uh, a, a space, a space with. So basically, it's me allowing God to use me. Uh, it's it's me allowing God to use me to be an agent of an agent of transformation. Mm. That's good. I love that, man. Uh, you know, it's it, as as a coach, as you know, as a leadership coach. One of the questions I always like to ask clients, or even when we're working with a business, is how do you want people to feel when they're interacting with you? Mm-hmm. And I think that the the what you just said is exactly the kind of answer that just speaks to not only your values, um, mm-hmm. but your guiding principles. Like you look at mm-hmm. people and you want people to feel empowered and valued when you leave them mm-hmm. and and seeing what they see. Um, I know I pray all the time, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And he just gives me this vision because, and, and, and that vision is the men of this world, or at least in my world, in, in the, you know, my sphere of influence, not living yeah. up and being the men that they're called to be. And, and when I see them, I don't see them as not living up. I see them for who they can be. I almost, almost feel like God gives me this vision, this ability to, to see them through his eyes yeah. and not, not what they see when they look in the mirror, because I can remember, I, I know what it's like some days to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and just feel like, man, I just don't have what it takes. And that's oh, not true. Yeah, it is yeah. not true. And you have to, I have to fight back that voice because it's, it's not God's voice. It's not my heavenly father. Mm-hmm. Cause that's not what a dad speaks to a son. Mm-hmm. It's not what, it's not what you would say to your son. And I know that's not what I would say to my son. Yeah. So well, man, I'd, I'd, I would love to talk and share a little bit about Edukenya. I want our listeners to be able to understand what exactly Edukenya does and is. So can you tell us a little bit about um, not just your role at Edukenya, but what what is the, uh, you know, the mission and the overall vision for Edukenya? And, and what are some of the exciting things you guys have going on there? Okay, so Edukenya is a very exciting institution. Uh Basically, for us, we want to transform the community through quality education. We want to give uh, learners, children that are quite underprivileged, that come from dysfunctional families, come from uh, a quite hard uh, environment, backgrounds, we want to give them quality education, and through this quality education, we believe that they are going to transform uh, the Mandare slum of, uh, of, of Nairobi uh, in Kenya. So our mission basically is that uh, we shall be able to see uh, these children as we interact uh, with them uh, become those agents of, of uh, transformation. But we are doing that as we really anchor our drive from from God because we say that uh, we are driven by the love of Jesus Christ. So one, our drive is Jesus Christ and a desire to glorify God. So everything that we are doing in the Madare slums, first we are driven by the love of Jesus Christ. Now, how do we unpackage the love of Jesus Christ? It's that love that even when we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. How, how, how let's just imagine of that love where it's not a give and take. Huh? They loved us so much huh? that, that, that he had died uh, for us. Our desire is to, for God to be glorified. So we, we are not doing it for us. Kenya doesn't exist for anyone. For us, our desire is that God will be glorified. And that is why we point our children, we point our families, we point our, our community to Christ. Even when they come saying, thank you so much, Mike, you did this for me. Why it not for you? Why, why, why it not for, for the organization? Why it not for, for Edu Kenya? We tell them, no, we point them to, to Christ. We tell them Christ had a purpose for us to be here so that we are able uh, to minister uh, to minister uh, to you. So Edukenya has a preschool, it has a primary school, and it has a high school. Uh, I don't know whether, how do we interpret that in your system? That's but, about uh, the same. So primary school for us is... It's elementary and, and, and middle school, which is first through sixth. And then you have junior high school, which is seven and eight. But primary for you is first through eighth, correct? Yes, but currently with a few changes, we are now saying that primary is one to six. And okay. then we have junior secondary from seven to nine. And mm -hmm. then we have high school from 10 to 12. And then they join the tertiary level. Mm -hmm. So how it's many like we are... Yes. No, I was going to say, I was going to ask you about how many students you have in each each level, but go ahead and finish what you're saying. Yeah. So I'd say currently we have kindergarten and grade one to 12. And uh, that's, those are the people that we are serving currently in EduKenya. Uh, EduKenya also has a skills department where we, we do a bit of tailoring and also we train uh, our parents and the community on how they can gain that skill for them to be able at it's, it's, it's for them to be able to sustain themselves and to sustain uh, their children uh, in in school. So currently we have around a total of around uh, I'll say around three hundred and forty in total because we have around uh, sixty five in. We have six, around 65 to 66 in preschool. We have around 175 in primary and around 97 at the high school. Mm. So we have them, our, our primary and preschool are day scholars. So we have them Monday to Friday, but our high school is boarding. They come, uh, they come home uh, thrice a year during the holiday breaks. Yeah. So how do how how do you guys uh, decide which kids or how do the kids get involved? The children get involved with Edukenyu and 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 how do they get connected with Edukenyu? How do you guys select which students can come or not come or or you know? I mean, I know that you want to serve all of them, mm -hmm. um, but there has to be some type of process. I'm just trying to. I just want everybody to be able to understand how how this works and and why it's so difficult. You know? Yeah. The the the. the the process is quite difficult and uh, sometimes it's a bit disheartening mm -hmm. uh, because Edukenya, we want to give quality education. So 
each of our class, we take a maximum of 22. We, we take a maximum of 22 uh, pupils per class. And uh, the entry level is play group. So every year we advertise for, uh, for spaces at play group level. These are children that are three years. And uh, getting 22 uh, becomes quite difficult because sometimes you, you advertise, but a hundred or even more, more than a hundred uh, parents uh, turn up uh, expressing wishes to have their children join our preschool. So imagine starting that process with a hundred and you have to be left with only 22, mm. uh, prefer, uh, preferably 11 boys and 11 girls. So when they come on the first day, we have to find a way of shortlisting because sometimes they are not able to come with all the documents that we ask for. Because like we need a birth certificate, uh, we need a few information about the parents. And so just from there, we find ourselves like uh, 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 doing away with like 25%. So you have like now 75 parents and you still want uh, the 20, the 22. So we look for a few things here and there so that we are able to at least minimize the number to around uh, 50 or 40. And then now from there, we have to make home visits. Uh, we have to send some of our staff uh, to visit these parents at home, to look at the home situation and actually to ascertain that they deserve a position with educator. From there, they come back with a report, and now it's from that report now we are able to shortlist to a level where we get the, the 22. It's never easy. It's never easy because uh, we really want to serve the community. They have also seen the value that we give uh, to, to the community and the and our journey of transformation. Mm -hmm. So turning away 78 and then taking only 22, uh, sometimes even the, the community sometimes is not very happy with us because those that were disqualified were more than those that that, mm -hmm. that qualified. And so by human nature, uh, more are disappointed than those that are that mm -hmm. are happy with the with the process. So it's it's quite a challenge because uh, as 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 much as we have a lot that we can give to this community, also we are limited by factors such as uh, space, uh, because also we don't want to we don't want to 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 dilute the quality, mm -hmm. and that is what even makes us like to say the number cannot go beyond twenty two. We do that in, in play group and also we do the same at high school, joining grade uh, joining grade nine or form one. But now when it comes to joining high school, we give priority to those that were at our primary school. Then they transition automatically. And then now we interview for a few spaces uh, from some of our primary school students that do not transition with us to, to high school. And the issues are just similar. So many parents turning up, but we don't have that space or capacity to, 
to accommodate all of them. Yeah. I know that when I was there um, both times, I mean, you know, you and Stella um, shared just the importance that the home life was there to help support the process of this transformation through not only, you know, the relationship that they're building, that, that, that the foundational relationship that you're building with the children and their heavenly father, um, but also just being able to support them from um, just wanting to do their homework and, and stay in front of their studies. And, 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 you know, and, and, and I, I don't know how to ask this, but I think it's important to, to kind of share this is, is I didn't necessarily, I know when I first came there last year, I didn't understand what a slum was um, until I drove in and, and I was able to see it and just, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to explain and understand. And so maybe if, if you don't mind, maybe you can kind of to share a little bit about that to, to, so that, the, so that, you know, the people listening to this can go, Hey, look, you're literally, you wanted to use education and, and the importance of this relationship with their heavenly father as a way to kind of, to change that mindset that this isn't as good as it gets, right? This isn't all I have to live. I mean, I think one of the things that, that, that broke my heart was when you were telling me that an old man is 30 something years old in the slums mm-hmm. and like that's someone who's looked at as who's old and wise. And I'm like, that's not an old man, but you're just like, that's the average life. Like mm-hmm. they don't live into their forties or their fifties or sixties just because mm-hmm. of the, the dangers and the this things that happen and just, just as a whole, but to understand. So that, you know, the, why it's important that you do what you do as Edukenya, um for the children, but just that, that transformation. So I just, if you can, Help me explain to to them what a slum is. I mean, I, I hate saying that, but does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. By the way, have we have we had a home visit with you? Have we taken you to one of the homes when you? Uh, no, them? we have not, and and I probably and need I, to come and do that. Yes, the next visit we are going to do a home visit so that actually you are able even to get now inside those houses and see. Mm. Uh, the conditions of, of life. And uh, for me, I think I'm the one who was telling you that uh, if I went to my jungle today where I grew up, I am one of the oldest men there. Because the the, the, the way life is, it's not supportive. Like, like, for, like for a male child, like uh, to just grow normally and, and see their, their old age and bring up children and see their grandchildren. It's it's not it's not it's it's not it's not easy. I say, yeah, it, it's kind of not easy uh, because of the situations of life. And uh, like I am a statistic. I I am one in very many that didn't were not able to uh, to make it. It is not easy for a girl to get to 15, 16 years before they are mothers. Mm. So it, it, it's that serious. By, by 18 years, 20 years, and, and, and a girl in the slum do not have a child. Uh, now people even, they start making fun and laughing at her, like, what are you waiting for? So it is that 
when we come with transformation as Edukenya, because what we say is that transformation actually is all about changing your perspective mm. and changing how you look at things. Eh? We are trying to tell these people, though we are not forcing them, we are trying to tell them, actually, you can have your education, have a career, have a family in that transition because in a slum setup, they don't know that. They don't have that information. And when our entry point is that transformation, eh, that is our like that is our biggest strength eh, in as far as trying to transform this uh, slum uh, setup, uh, this uh, this slum uh, lifestyle. So it's like now if if you go to let's say children that are around ten. They will tell you about everyone in the community that is selling drugs. They will tell you the name of those drugs and they will tell you how to use that drug. Mm. During COVID, like we have never recovered eh, because of what our children, the lifestyle our children adapted during the COVID break because they were away for almost one year. And when they came back, we didn't have the same children that we released to the community. We say that our community and teachers what we tell our children. Like what we tell them from seven to five, they'll be told the opposite until the next day that they come back to, to our school. So imagine having them away for a year. They are being told that drug is good. They are being told that uh, sexy sweet, they are being told that dishonesty uh, is good. All these things, they are being told them repetitively until if we are not careful, they will run with them as, as, as the gospel, as the gospel uh, truth. We have very dysfunctional families in the slum where every day dads are attacking moms in front of children, where a uh, some of sometimes even you're dealing with scenarios where a parent has to go out at night to fend for the uh, for the uh, children and they have to lock them in a house until morning. Imagine how dangerous is that when a five-year-old sleeps alone for the mother to go and work and what what kind of work is that they are going to sell their bodies and they will come and tell you teacher this is the work i do and i cannot leave this job unless you have a job for me so even when we are working with them because we've chosen not to judge them we've chosen to love them unconditionally and they will tell you this is what i do and if you want me to stop doing this, show me another way. Mm. And at that time, you can only continue loving them and encouraging them. But mm -hmm. in those setups, in those houses, uh, you saw William, uh, apart from the houses uh, not looking good, there's also a lot of things that are not good that are 
happening inside the houses. Mm. How do you stay motivated? How do you stay inspired to continue to do this? I mean, this is, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I, I believe that you've seen, I want to believe that you've seen more successes than you have seen failures, but without a doubt, this is an area that there's probably a lot of negatives, a lot of, a lot of children that, that, that don't come back and, and, and that you, you wish you could get back. How do you stay, you know, getting up in the morning and going, Hey, you know what? I got to keep doing what I'm doing. I'll say a few, a few things that uh, keeps me motivated. Number one is uh, I've gone through this. I have gone through this and, and I've made it. So it's a battle I've fought and won. I don't know whether I've won. I can't tell whether I've won. But I've been in that battlefield. So I know it's possible. So there is no room for there's no room for losing hope. I'm I'm a practical example. So mm. if a child comes and tells me uh the stories you are telling us, it's not possible. I will tell them, yeah, I am. I have my photos even today that show the condition that I lived and survived. And so mm. One of the things, one of the things that keeps me very motivated is because I've been there. Mm. So you have no excuse. Our 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 children have have, have have no have no excuse. And then for me, I enjoy I enjoy those small wins. I enjoy I enjoy those small wins. Like I saw a child, uh, they are at a space where they cannot take care of themselves. Uh, the parents are not taking care of them. But you find that girl is now in grade six. She's 12 years old. She can wash her uniform. She can she can she can do things for herself. And that 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 keeps me very motivated that I know, okay, we have this child, they might be suffering, but it's just for a while. So those small wins, they really keep me motivated. And then I feel like uh that's where I thrive. That's the environment I thrive in. Do I wish to serve in another environment where circumstances are different? I don't think I would be of much impact if mm -hmm. you move me from that environment and and take me to a space where everything everything looks uh, looks fine. So I'd say also. Uh, with my personality, with my traits, I feel I thrive. I thrive more in such an environment, and my impact is more in such an environment. So, I I don't think I will be happier. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I will be more motivated somewhere else. It's it would be like taking a fish out. It's like taking a fish out of water and expecting that uh, it will be happier because uh, it's now outside the water, but actually it's like you are, you are killing that fish. So I feel for me, yeah, let me God continue. Let God continue using me there. That's good. That's, that's so good, man. And, and I love the idea of unpacking, like, and knowing that it's, it's, it's our stories and it's the struggles and it's the pains that we've walked through as as you know it's how god create you know built us to become who we're supposed to be 
you know, mm-hmm. it's because without it, like, I don't know who I would be if I wouldn't have gone through the things I went through and, and, and made it to where I'm at that right now. Like, I don't want to be, I, I love who I am. Um, I'm very happy. Um, and so, so one of the things that I, I want to make sure that, I mean, I want to definitely continue talking about Edukenia, but one of the things that you told me about when I was there the first time was this expedition that you take the high school boys on once they graduate. And so I would love for you to kind of share some stories about that. If you you got a sec um, and, you know, have some more time here. Um, But yeah, tell us what is, what is that? What's the purpose of that? And what does that look like? Uh So uh, in the final, in the final grade in primary, in primary school, when our kids are transitioning from primary to secondary school. We have a program that we call ROPES program. It's the rights, rights of passage experiences. We took we take them through one year program and then we take them for one week camp. So now what they do while we are having them in the campsite is for them to live out everything we are teaching them theoretically in class. So when we took them to high school, eh, we start thinking, eh, we are drops in in class eight. What do we do for them when they transition to high school? And that is when we came up with a program called the SLP, the Senior Leadership Program. Now, this is a program uh, specifically tailored to prepare our students for life uh, outside high school. And uh, it comes with a number of activities because the climax of the climax of uh, the senior leadership program is for us to climb Mount Kenya. So we have a a, a five day uh, experience where we Go, we get to the peak of Mount Kenya, and then and then we we come back. But before that, uh, we visit Hell's Gate, and also we visit we visit the the Abadea. We visit um, Abadea. Now these are just activities to prepare them to, to to climb Mount Kenya. And every time we go there, there are activities. Like now in Hell's Gate, there is a rock. There is a rock. Uh, I hope you have these terms. I think we call it repelling, something repelling, going mm-hmm. up and coming uh, uh, coming down from that rock. And it comes with a number of lessons. Uh, one of the lessons is conquering fear. Uh, another lesson is uh, showing that them that everything is possible, showing them that actually they have potential beyond what even uh, they can uh, they can imagine. When we take them to the Abadeas, we have like a, a two-day uh, camp there where we take them through a very intentional and uh, very intentional and one-on-one sessions to, 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 to really prepare them and to know where they are in as far as life after high school is concerned. Mm-hmm. And then now we take them to April, actually, we are going to Mount Kenya for the senior leadership program. And those five days, it's just wonderful moment of fellowship as we go up Mount Kenya 
And as we come uh, down, we affirm them, we have them think about their life up to where they are, life after uh, life after high school, and also to, to show them that our love towards them is unconditional, mm -hmm. that there is nothing that they are going to go through or nothing that they are going to experience that will change how we value and how we view them. Mm. And now what we are doing, we've gone beyond just waiting for our children to get to Form 4, which is the final class in high school, for us to start empowering them for life. Now we are having camps. We are partnering with, uh, uh, with one of our, we call him pat our patron because he has been uh, there. He has seen it. And uh, he also have a lot of interest in in uh, in camping, in mentorship. So we've come up with 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 a program whereby each and every year we are taking our children for a one week camp where they spend time together. We spend time with them outside school, outside the curriculum, as we prepare and nurture them for life. And which life is this? We want them to be transformational agents. We want them um, to win as many souls for the kingdom uh, mm. as, as possible. So our senior leadership program is, is, is evolving and improving every day, but the climax at the end of the day is us climbing Mount Kenya and coming back. Yeah, that's, I can't wait. Um, I mean, I'm, um... I'm hoping that I can make that climb with you guys one day soon. Um, I'm actually, you know, I, we talked about this. Uh, I, I'm my trip in October is to come back and do uh, to bring a group of men from America to come mm -hmm. over and and do a leadership retreat there in Kenya. Um, we so I'm working and putting that together right now. We're probably going to climb Mount Longanot. We want to go to Hell's Gate. Uh -huh. um, and so I have, a, I have a whole kind of agenda that I'm, I'm working on right now and some curriculum for that, but I, wow. I, it, 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 without a doubt spoke to me, um, when you started sharing that the first time I was there, just how intentional you guys are or, and how you have, have embraced this, this desire of not just encouraging men, but mm -hmm. also realizing that, Hey, I've got to do it for these young men as they graduate from high school and help mm -hmm. them be, be more prepared because yes, it's great that I'm, I'm doing it for guys that are already in their twenties and thirties and, and, and outside of that high school area. But what happens mm -hmm. if, if I get them and, and I'm able to, to embark these, uh, impart these, uh, these same values in them at that age. And so mm -hmm. just seeing that is just, is really, really awesome. I love the idea that the senior leadership program, um, so how does the senior leadership program and can you tell me a little bit about what you do with the uh, the men enough facilitator? What exactly is that and, and, and what does that program look like? Okay, so so the senior the senior leadership uh, program huh? basically we come together, we look at our students. Every class is very unique. Uh, so what we give for one class and what we give for another class 
is the same, but we allow room to make sure that we reach to every class depending on their individual unique uh, unique unique needs. Mm -hmm. So we are preparing, we know that we are prepared now like when we look at our current form four, it's very different from the form four that that transitioned out. It's a class with 20 boys and and 10 girls. So it is it is very male dominated. And so we have to really be intentional with how we handle our girls and how and how we uh, we handle our 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 boys. And then we have our seven transformational milestones as we do Kenya. Mm -hmm. They really help in guiding us to uh, to really uh, inspire those boys and, and tell them this is the kind of a person that God wants you wants you to be. Now, when it comes to man enough, uh, man enough is a purely male program. And uh, I think the founder realized that uh, there is a need for a space for men just to be men, mm -hmm. uh, where men will not feel judged, uh, where men can sit and speak. And uh, from a level of trusting another man and saying, this is what I am going through. But the intention is, that men will be grounded in the word of God. So we have 10 weeks where we have a topic for every week. And also we go for a camp, we go for paintballing. Uh, we have a topic called the wounded warrior. <laughs> so before we do wounded warrior, because we are dealing with men wounds, and uh, men have wounds, and they don't have a space to speak about those wounds. When I was starting, I was saying that I'm not sure whether I've healed the wound of being separated from my mother while I was still very young, and and uh, there are a number of things I couldn't do for myself. It's it's and 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 whenever I I don't know whether I have that space to raise it because for them they wanted me to be somewhere where I could benefit from a scholarship. So they feel very justified because here is our here was our child, here was an opportunity for our child to uh, to get uh, to get sponsored. So I men have those wounds. Uh, men have challenges uh, with 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 issues like like sex. Men have challenges with identity man men they want to live for something they want to live a legacy mm -hmm. so we come together as men and, and and speak we have been brought together by 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 a church it is the church hosting us but also telling us uh, uh, realizing that actually there it, it's good to have a space where men we will sit and with a lot of soberness uh, speak about issues that 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 affect uh, a, a male. And so when I went through that program, I felt this is where I want to serve. So immediately I graduated, I went back and requested to be a facilitator. 
And whenever I'm facilitating, I continue learning every day from other men mm-hmm. uh, stories because even you benefit more because now there you keep quiet and listen. Mm-hmm. So them sharing and speaking and you asking God for wisdom so that at least you have you have a way to uh to to run the program and you have a way that men will feel like uh, actually when I said this I was not judged and I was shown a better way of dealing with it or how to get how to get uh, out out of it. So I'll say it's quite a good structured program. And uh, whenever I'm serving in that space of a facilitator, those 10 weeks, uh, they really, they really minister to me. That's awesome. Well, um, I've only got a couple more questions that I want to ask. And, and really, the, the, so this first one here is, what advice would you give to somebody that's aspiring to be a trailblazer, that, that really wants to, to live a life that is creating a path for others to follow, you know, and, you know, so they're just starting on this journey of becoming a trailblazer. What advice would you give to them? I'll tell them to be available. Just be available. Don't, don't wait until you are perfect. Don't wait until you have sorted this and that issue. Avail yourself. Just, making that step to be available you're a trailblazer that's good i love that don't i mean that's so strong that's going to be the quote of the, the quote of the podcast be available be available that is, yes. i love that because man. I love that there, there is no day that the moment would be perfect mm-hmm. yeah there is no time the moment would be perfect so just avail yourself don't 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 keep on uh, saying okay uh wait until um i will be joining in august i will be just avail yourself and let everything else uh, uh shape itself out when you have just made the choice to avail yourself that's good that's so good all right last question i have well maybe not last one but what do you consider your legacy to be and how do you hope to be remembered? For me, I, we, I wish to be remembered. I wish to be remembered as that person. How do I put it? I don't want to be remembered as a person that achieved so much. I want to be remembered as a person huh, that individuals will say, I saw light because of mm. his man. I, I don't want to be remembered as he ran a successful school. Uh, he ran a successful organization. That is not my key purpose. My key purpose is that individuals would say, I once sat with a certain man and he told me this and he encouraged me when I was going through very hard moments. So I want to touch lives individually. So I would like to be remembered as a person that individuals can say, I was almost losing hope. 
But when I had an opportunity to share a space with this man, I I felt encouraged. I mm. felt that I matter. I felt that, that I am loved and I felt that I'm seen and that God really, really loves me. For me, that is what I would like to be, to be mm. remembered. That's good, man. That's so good. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Well, Michael, do you have anything else that you would like to share, man? I mean, I'll just give you the microphone, man, if there's anything you would like to say. Um, you know, even if it's about, you know, how, how can, how can people support educating you? What are the things that you need? What do you need for your, for your ministry, the man enough? Um, and just, I'm going to give you the microphone and let you just have at it for, for a couple minutes here, man. Uh, for me, maybe just to say, um, number one, be available. Uh, number two, educate, uh, visit our website. Uh, see the many things that we are doing for the community. We pray that as you visit us and go through our socials, uh, God will show you a space where you can you can plug in. So if you see the many things that we do, uh, Edukenya, we are an open book. Uh, feel free to to reach out to us. And uh, also, we really, we really love visitors. We 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 appreciate when when we we share moments and uh, uh, we share life with with with, with visitors uh, either in in either of our campuses. So, if you find yourself in Kenya, uh, we are very ready, willing, and will be very happy to host you in one of our schools. Just come, let's spend a day there, uh, minister to those children, and, and God will continue, will continue uh, blessing us. So they say, as a trailblazer, uh, we'll, we, we just continue supporting each other, and uh, whenever, as, as things continue unfolding, I'll say, we are together and uh, we continue uh, uh uh talking more yeah and uh i also really appreciate william for this space where we can sit and uh we hope that uh someone somewhere will be blessed by by this podcast yeah thank, I, you. And thank you man and and you know i hey um i know that you guys are in the process of building a new high school um, which I'm excited to have. I mean, I was there last year when we went and walked the space and prayed over the space and, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so it's exciting and where, where exactly are y'all in that process? How's that coming? Uh, so we are still discussing the drawings okay. and, uh, yeah, we are making a few changes here and there, uh, resource wise, we are still mobilizing for resources. Mm -hmm. And also trying to, like now we were consolidating our buildings so that at least we we are able to to cut down on cost because it's it's also coming in uh, quite expensive, quite expensive. So we are also we are also in that process of looking out for 
for ways to, to make the project a bit cheaper. But still, we're in those stages of discussing the drawings and also now uh, trying to see how we start mobilizing for resources. Okay, that's awesome. Well, I'll we'll make sure that when we put the show up, um, that we put links to Edukenya, your social media and stuff like that, so that people can get online and, and you know, find different ways to support. I know that when I was there uh, just a few weeks ago, um, well, last week, yeah, it's not even two weeks, it's only been like a week, that uh, Michael, one of the guys that was with us, uh, Michael Hendrickson, uh, we're, we're actually going to be providing, like, I think a, a uh, a, a special meal for the children at the, at the school well, one day, yeah. we're going to do something specifically for that. Um, so yeah, we're just yeah. excited to be a part of this, um, you know, going there and being at edge Kenya, um, and, 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 and seeing what you guys are doing is without a doubt, um, is changing lives. It's changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, and, and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it and I'm excited to, to have you as a friend and a brother um, and and knowing that we have a desire to just make a difference in this world, you know, and to be available. I love that you said that um, the, one of the most important things we can do is just be available because there is no perfect time. There is no perfect moment. Um, it's an imperfect world and we're imperfect people. And so we have to, uh, we have to embrace those things. So thank you, Michael, for being here. Uh, thank you for jumping on the podcast today with me. I can't think of anything else unless you have something else, man. No, thank you. Thank you too. And, uh, welcome. And, uh, also thank you for, for this moment. Actually, it's my first podcast. It's okay. (laughs) Well, you did great, man. And I have to be honest, you were an amazing guest and, uh, you, you, this was probably my favorite podcast so far. Um, just, just because of, you know, the common threads that we have and and the desires that we have, you know, um, I have a coaching and consulting company and my focus is helping and working with men to become the leaders that they're called to be. And I have a small group that I lead and it's all about men stepping up and becoming the leaders they are called to be and becoming, and, and, and I want to build a world of men that are confident and equipped to do the good work. Um, my favorite verse and, and almost my life verse is second Timothy three seventeen, And it says, so that the men of God will be complete and fully equipped to do good work. And I believe that my calling and, and my place on earth is to, to, helpfully build up men that are complete and fully equipped to do the good work that God's called them to do. And, you know, I may, I may not be able to do that in the whole world, but I can do it in the world that I've been given responsibility for. So, um, thank you so much for being here today, man. Um, once again, uh, thank you for what you're doing in the, in the lives of those children and the impact that you're having in, in your world. And, uh, with, with that, I guess that's all I got. Wow. Thank you. you. No, thank you, man. Asante. Okay. All right. Have a great one, man. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Um, Okay. Bye. Bye, man. Talk to you later. Thank you for turning into another episode of Trailblazers. And as a trailblazer, it is also important to be on the right path, both physically, not just mentally, like listening to this podcast. 
And when it comes to getting on that path, I use Winmo Fitness and Flight Foods, who are both supporters of the podcast. If you're looking for either one-on-one fitness coaching or if you're looking for virtual coaching, Winmo Fitness is the place. I've been training with Win for over six years and cannot imagine my fitness journey without him. As far as supplements go, I only use flight food supplements. These supplements are crafted to increase your performance, sustain and energize you while you seek your goals and highest ambition. So let's fuel your flight. Many of you may also know that I have a leadership coaching and consulting company, The Ford's Leader, where I quit men and business leaders to be the leaders they are called to be. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for more inspiring stories of men making a difference in the world. Remember, you too can be a trailblazer in your own way. Until next time, keep blazing your trail.